Hey, welcome to an episode of A Different Type of Bean Counter. And before we get started today, we want to make one correction in the information that you'll hear. During my interview with Sam Quino, which is a phenomenal interview, uh, Sam references a leadership forum in May. The leadership forum is actually in April. And uh, again, contact Sam or reach out to him via LinkedIn or go to Relay's website that's referenced in the podcast to get more information. But we just wanted to uh, correct that. Enjoy the listen. Hey, welcome to the third episode of A Different Type of Bean Counter. And I am super geeked, excited. Uh, I've got a, a very good friend of mine, Sam Quino, with me. Uh, Sam is the Director of Physical Security at AEP uh, and a Relay Board Member President. Sam, say hello. Hello, Don. Hey, you know what? Uh, this is, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am that you would take the time to do this. Um, Sam, as I go around and I talk to boards, Sam is my example of so many things that I talk about. So I'm going to let him um, talk about some of the things that, uh, that he's doing that I think are just phenomenal. Uh, if you're a board member and you want to know how to be a great board member, this is a podcast for you. If you're an executive director and you want to look for great board members, this is something that you want to listen to. Sam? It's truly an honor that you'd sit down and take the time. Wow, that's the most impressive introduction I've had <laughs> probably in my career. Thank you. I think you've given me a lot more credit than I, than I deserve. So no. thank you for having no, me. No, absolutely. Uh, one thing, just to plug what Sam does at AEP, um, he has offered before uh, through some of the uh, organizations that I work with, when they're going through something difficult, maybe they're hiring a dis- uh, firing a disgruntled employee or um, they just have a certain situation, he, w- he has the ability to come in and AEP allows him to come in and talk about how to do things well in a secure environment. Yeah. So uh, that's something I want to plug for. Um, follow Sam on LinkedIn. Let's get, let's get to it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So I say that Sam is the most engaged board member that you can find. Uh, he's, a, he's a board president of Relay. And uh, so, Sam, when I say that you're the most engaged board member, what does, what does, that, what does that mean to you as far as being an engaged board member? Well, uh, I take it very seriously, um, and it's, it's like a job. You know, I'm not getting paid, obviously. It's right. a, non- a nonprofit. Um, but when I first got into the nonprofits and I wanted to sit on, you know, sit on a board to kind of give back, you know, I didn't want to... I didn't want to just sit there and, and go every couple of months and vote mm-hmm. on a budget and vote on this. I wanted to actively participate. And I think all our board members on Relay and another board I sit on, the Columbus Police Foundation, mm-hmm. um, also is engaged. I didn't know how much work is involved at first because yeah. um, there is work. Mm-hmm. So um, especially on small small organizations or small boards, um, you 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 gotta you gotta um, get in, get your hands. Dirty, dirty, and, yeah. and and work, but um, I'm engaged just like everyone else. But I also am very passionate about the boards I serve on, so it's just not you know something I take lightly. And you mean you're not just serving on boards to build your resume? No, no, no. I I have to really want to be part of that organization and 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 love the organization and understand their mission um, and see if I fit. You know, if if I'm not a fit for the board, sometimes I think boards, you know, they'll look for somebody in the financial industry Mm -hmm. or, you know, someone that sometimes they're just looking for someone from AEP to sit on their board because they want AEP because they're looking for the money. Um, And that that happens. And that's that's fine. I wasn't I wasn't um, definitely interested in that. It's um, it's something that I had to believe in if I'm going to give my you know, time, talent, treasure Absolutely. to that organization. I, I definitely uh, wanted to be sure that I was committed to the, the cause. Yeah. So you, right off the jump, you said something that I loved. It's like a job. It's like a job. Sitting on a board and being engaged is like a job. So I'm going to ask you, and I want you to be real with me on a couple of topics here, okay? Uh, so you work, <laughs> you work a lot of hours at AEP. We won't talk about how many, but you work a lot of hours at AEP. 
but you said sitting on the board at Relay and the Columbus Police Foundation are like jobs to you. So in a, talk to me about, okay, this is how I treat it as a job. What are some of the things you do? I know that one thing that you do that is just phenomenal is that you're a tremendous advocate for Relay based upon your social media posts and things like that nature. So talk about that a little bit. Talk about the other things that you do as a job, as a board member. And then at the end, if you will, how much time are we talking, Sam? Oh, all good questions. So, yeah, I, I do put in a lot of hours. So um, I'm, I'm an early riser. I've always been an early riser. So I'm, I'm usually at AEP, um, 5 a.m. in the morning. I like to get there before... I always say the humans show up, um, you know, in my, my role, you know, the, the issues can start rolling in around seven thirty, eight o'clock. Um, so I want to, I want to get my time set. So, um, I know the commitments is just showing up for the board meetings. I mean, that's kind of known before you sign up. Right. So when I'm there, I'm there, I'm there for the two hours and doing that, but there's a lot of behind, behind the work. And I'm blessed that I work for a company that, um, advocates us to participate on boards and, um, give back to the community. So, I, I take that as, is, like I you know, said, a job. So mm-hmm. if I got to put in an hour to, to write up a document or um, meet with the executive director to go over the upcoming board um, agenda, I'll do that. If it is on the Columbus Police Foundation, it, I was, you know, we were getting a grant. We had to go to a local school. So mm-hmm. it's like, who can go? I look at the schedule going, yeah, I can represent the board mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, AP allows me that time away. However... I look at it as I still got to do my job and they expect you to do your job. Right. So I always say that's why God created weekends sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I try to also balance it with the family and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be all in. I mean, especially the, the job I have. I mean, my, my wife, I, I love her to death. Um, she's also committed, you know, with my career and, and my board development because there's going to be some sacrifices. And, I take it seriously as a job. They're they're dependent on me to do something. Absolutely. Um, so I just got to kind of balance it in. So that's why, again, I don't want to sit on a board to give that time away or my treasure away if I'm not all in invested because then I'll just, you know, what do you need me for? I'll just never show up or I, I got to give that commitment and it's going to take away from other aspects. Right. There's a price to be paid. Absolutely. And, and we, we, we have to recognize that when you sit on a board, there's a price to be paid. Absolutely. And, uh, and some of that price is you have to give up other things and take time away from other things. Um, you said a couple of things there I'm going to ask you to uh, kind of drill down into. Um, I'm starting to see a lot of boards that try to do this. And and I, I just, I, I'm still unsure whether or not it's possible, right? Because uh, I, I sit on a board and I'm actually chair where uh, they want to keep their meetings to one hour. And I, I just think that's hard to do because I don't think that you get enough time. Uh, you, you mentioned, I don't know if it was just a, a phrase, two hours for a board meeting. Um, as a board member, um, is two hours too long of a board meeting? Is it, uh, as long as it's structured well, let's be clear. I mean, we, we want well-run meetings, but from your perspective, and, and you're talking about two organizations that are mature. I mean, in their, they, have, they have some great vision and they're doing some great things, but uh, we're, not, we're not in a startup phase with these organizations. Uh, so uh, the, the type of uh, engagement that happens at a board meeting for you, what, what kind of things are we talking about where, you, where you're excited to go spend that time? So, yeah, so I think both of my boards that I sit on are, are two hours. Um, and I honestly feel sometimes it's not enough time. Yeah. Because everybody's kind of committed. Uh, it's like, hey, we got to get out by 930. And because they they have that 30 minutes to get back to work to go to a 10 o'clock meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it, 930 it ends. So because I serve on two boards and in two different roles. So Relay, on the board president. I just got voted in uh, this year. Congratulations. So, thank you. Um, so now I'm, I'm watching the agenda. I'm working with the executive director. I want to put some topics on and I took over from a, from another president who did things differently. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it differently now than it for the police foundation. Um, I'm just, a, I'm just a board member. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two hours long too. Um, and you're right. We're, we're more mature. The, the, I would say depending on 
how often you you do that. So at Relay, it's it's a quarter like every we we do four a year, then a mm-hmm. retreat. Uh, one time the foundation was every month, right? And it it was like that in the beginning because we were trying to get our new Clue Center for Learning and, and uh, up up and running. Um, but now this year alone, we've we've kicked back to. Uh, um, every other month. Right. And we didn't have an executive director. We just hired our new That's executive correct. director. So director for, in. for a long time, the board functioned as the executive director. We did all the work. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. So having an executive director is, is awesome to do that. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to do also for the executive director, when when I met with Shannon uh, my first time, I said, "You, this is, this is my intention. Let me run the board. You run the organization. Mm-hmm. I said, let me wrangle them, yeah. you know, let, and, and you uh, wrangle, you wrangle the folks. So, cause I, you know, if you need a board commitment form or you need this from the board member, let me, let me do it. Mm. Um, and I, I, she took that with open arms. It's like, wow, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting help. And I think that is one, one thing you got to set up definitely with the executive director. It's like the board president runs the board mm. and the executive director runs the organization yeah. and they're on the same and you know, they're on the. The same page and the, the board is expected to ask those tough questions when, mm-hmm. when they need to I love that the board uh, the board president runs the board love that there's new right uh, there's new books out and I can't remember the title of the book so forgive me and you may know it I think I read it where it talks about the executive director should not speak more than 25 percent of the time in a board meeting uh, board president it's it's supposed to be your meeting and you really take that to heart you're working on the agenda, you're doing things like that, you're running up. Uh, you also mentioned showing up to represent the board at uh, relay activities. How, I mean, talk about that, because that's something that I believe is vital to organizations for a couple of reasons. One, I think staff love to see the boards there, right? And then I do believe that the people that are being served want to know who's behind it. So how do you, why do you show up to represent uh, the organizations at, at activities that they're doing out in the community? Well, both is because I'm passionate about both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm proud. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I like being there. And um, I'm, the, I'm the last person that's going to try to get donations or things along. That's not my, that's not my belly wit at all. But what else can I, can I bring to them? And I think it, it, it just needs to be representative because other than that, in some cases, like in the Columbus police foundation, um, you know, we didn't want to be just a grant organization because that's what a lot of it is does is we we fundraise, but we give to different causes. Um, someone from the board needs to represent Mm -hmm. and in the relay space is if, no one wants to step up, then the president is going to have to step up Right. Um, in some cases. And, and the other thing is, is I'm just passionate about it. You mentioned social media. That's the easiest thing a board member can do. You know, if there's an event going on or there's a new training class or we have our leadership forum coming out in May, so go to our relayleadership.org and sign up. There you go. Sign up um, for leadership forum. Um, just, you know, share it. Share it. You know, it's... I'm expanding it to if I have 500 connections, I'm expanding to 500 people where relay would you know relay would not have it. So it, it's just that simple. What what I've get, what I've gotten back on when I do that, and people understand. Okay, this is they're seeing Sam, and this is what Sam is all about. He's not just the security guy at AEP. You know, oh, he cares about this organization, he cares about this, and I'm not asking for any money from them or my network. I just want you to experience what I've experienced at these organizations and, you know, maybe you'll get something back out of it mm-hmm. or just come and sit at my table if you can. It's kind of important that your friends know what's important to you. Absolutely. Right? Because they can't support you if that time ever comes in something they don't know that's important to and them. And I may be sacrificing time with them because of that. That's correct. You know, and it's it's something that says, you know, I, I would really love to go out and have a lunch with you, you know, but, you know, I got to determine my schedule so tight, it's like, oh, I actually have to work through lunch, yeah. you know. But yeah. um, so I, I do it because I, I, I believe in the organizations I serve on. And um, it, I get a kick out of how many likes I can get. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so just a real quick thing. If as an executive director you're listening to this and uh, you can't pick up on the excitement that Sam has and the passion he has for the organization, um, you might be missing it, but what I challenge you to do 
is to talk to your board members to see if they come across the same way, right? Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone that's passionate, someone that's involved, and someone that's engaged in what's going on. And uh, one more quick question, Sam, and I'll, I'll, I, don't, I, I don't know the answer to this, so I might be setting myself up for failure. Okay. Um, so you do a great job on, on social media of sharing what's going on with your different uh, boards. Uh, LinkedIn, please follow him on LinkedIn. You'll see great examples of it. Here's my question, and I don't know the answer to it. I've seen it done both ways. Are those posts fed to you by the organization, or do you take them a couple minutes to create it yourself so that it goes out? I Yeah, so one, so... Because I'm, I'm only on LinkedIn. I, I thought I told you that, so I don't do the Twitter, the tweets, the other, the other social media aspects. There's a way LinkedIn. to link them all together. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be linked. I'm just LinkedIn, and it's just, it's the one I, I chose to sign up on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I follow Relay. Relay has a LinkedIn thing. So there's some things that that'll come, that'll just be normal on that piece, um, and then I'll, I'll share those. But what I'm also doing is sharing my experiences. Right. Um, when I'm at a when I'm at a relay event, I always want to make sure that I'm snapping the picture, snapping the picture, you know, and or I'm posing with somebody or doing a video. The Columbus Police Foundation does not have a LinkedIn, so mm-hmm. when I'm getting a check for the foundation or I got the pleasure to um, during Police Week, um, um, they were doing the the memorial downtown. Um, I wanted to make sure that I captured the video, um, some shots, and just put it there and. I'm I'm putting in that I'm I'm there representing the Columbus Police Foundation. I'm not there representing Sam Quino. Sam Quino doesn't exist when I'm in that aspect. Right. Um, so a lot of it is it's not fed to me and say hey please put this on your social media stuff. Um, now when when we have some events, you know obviously they're going to say hey can you put some stuff out on your networks? But most of the time I'm doing it because I want to spread the word out there, um, and a lot of it is my goofy self on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, it's not all, it is business, but you know, you'll, you'll notice I do a lot of culture stuff for AEP on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have fun with it, but it's just getting, getting the name out, getting the word out. Cause yeah. you know, some folks may not hear about it, but they're, Oh, look, click on that link. Yeah. So I always make sure I tag the website or something along those lines just to see what's. I, I think that's so important that, that you say that because I've been in board meetings where, uh, you know, this topic comes up and people are like, okay, we need the staff to give us the post. And I, I'm always cringing by that because the staff have a job description and that job description is their full work time. Now you're adding something to them. And just like you, Sam, if we add something to your schedule, something has to go away. If we add something to the relay staff or the Columbus Police Foundation staff, something has to go away. So I really appreciate. It. I had no idea where that was going to go, so I'm glad that okay. where I wanted it to go. <laughs> um, so we're going to pivot here. Okay. Um, and this is long, and I love talking to you. So um, I want to talk to you about PEO. Let me explain PEO. PEO is a Fundraising, non-fundraising model. Uh, The P stands for participant. The E stands for engaged. And the O stands for owner. P-E-O. So what what Sam and I want to talk about here is what does does that look like in in real life? Because the the premise behind the P-E-O fundraising model is that you're able to move people along in their relationship with your cause and your organization to the point that when there's a need, there's not necessarily always a transaction, transactional ask. Uh, Sam has mentioned before that he, he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't feel like a great fundraiser. Uh, but I will bet you that Sam raises funds for both organizations. <laughs> okay, so, so, and Sam, so you before we started, you told a story. Um, Shannon, I think asked 
everyone on the board to read a book. The book's called Coaching Your Champions by Tim Foley. Highly recommended book. I teach from this book from time to time. You're on vacation. You read the book. Tell us the story. Yeah, so that's when I first met Don, too, was at that our first board retreat. He came in and talked, but we she gave the book to uh, the board to read. So she said, hey, you got to catch up. I got hurt. I got brought on the board early, later in the year. So I said, oh, perfect. I, I took the family down to Virginia Beach. I hate the beach, by the way. <laughs> Hate the, hate the water, hate the beach. So I'm like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this book, you know, to, to get it done. I'm telling you, I couldn't put it down. Mm. So Easy I, read. Yeah, very easy read. But I couldn't put it down because it was telling the story about a nonprofit. And I really liked because I wanted to see how it ended up. So it was almost like, okay, I mean, to the point that I'm not only sitting on the beach watching my, my, my wife and the kids in the in the water. I'm back in the hotel room as they're all taking a nap. And I'm reading that. And I said, like, what kind of book are you reading? And I'm like, oh, it's for the board. And she's like, what? But anyways... So I'm reading the book, and as I'm going through this book, by the time I got to the end, I went, heck, that's me. That's me. And then I'm like, oh, my God. You know, what has happened? I mean, a lot of it was with Relay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I'm like, that, that is me. The, the, what they're describing in this book is exactly what happened to me. And honestly, I didn't even know what happened. You didn't me. even know what happened. No, no. So one of the things that as I talk to organizations about PEO – they believe that they have to tell you that you're going through PEO. And that no one ever told you that, right? No. I... So so we're going to walk through your your life with uh, Relay okay. through the participant, engaged, and owner phase. Okay. Okay. So when did you first become a participant? And so the reason I want to do this is so that as a board member and as an organization, you can start to pick people in that are interacting with your organization, and you can start to see, okay, yeah, they're moving through this. How do I help them move through? So, Sam, when did you first become a participant? With so it was, it was back in 2016. Um, my, myself and my boss was looking for a leadership development um, course uh, that I could go through. Um, um, so... I was a manager at the time with AEP, so he, you know we've already kind of had plans as you know we need to move you up to the next level. We need to find some leadership, and it wasn't just a one day course. He was looking for a leadership program mm-hmm. that you know we could send it to. So we've been looking for a while. Then um, our HR department sent over this um, from Relay our our signature program. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the word R because it's my program now. That's right. Um, the That's Exec right. Gen program. It's a nine month um, program for for. Um, New or um, new leaders or, or individual contributors are getting ready to to walk to the next level of leaders or seasoned leaders, but not at the executive type right. level, director above. Right. <clears throat> so he sent me this material and he didn't even know about it. Um, next Gen started in 2015 with Relay, so that was kind of like their pilot program. Um, so I, I run it over, I looked, I went on Relay's website and I'm like, Wow, it's nine months and nine months, nine months, and you know you you meet every month, um, and there were some fireside chats. So it was a couple times a month too. And there were what intrigued me is there's a capstone project at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, you work through it. You you work with a nonprofit as your little cohort group. Um, you're working with a nonprofit to give back, um, to give back with to the organization, whatever their needs are. So said I'm all in. You know, Good. so we Good. AP paid me to go to that program, and I, I'll never, I'll always remember the launch event. So it was, um, it was a two day launch event, and Shannon Lee, our executive director, she's up there talking, and and she makes a comment, and and I've told her this, and I've told this story before. She makes a comment. She's like, you know, this program, if you you know participate in it and take it seriously and do the do the work, it can change your life. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing it down, and I went, no way. Mm. You know, I've been through leadership courses, and I've been through this, and I'm like, no way is it going to change my life. So, full fast forward, I've I've gone through the program. Mm. I, you know, I I'm meeting a lot of people, um, got to see different businesses with the fireside mm-hmm. chat, and mm-hmm. our cohort was really strong. I got to meet people from other companies, how they did it. All the leaders have the same problem, so it was it was really cool. Right. So at the end of that, I was kind of like, it's over. I don't know what to do next. So I want to stop you right here because okay. I love that. So Sam was a participant. He participated in a leadership class. He loved it. 
got a lot out of it, really enjoyed the entire experience and everything that, that the experience brought to the table. Um, and I personally know that Sam, when Sam said, no way, uh, that today we sat here to champ it. Sam has had a few life-changing experiences as a result of it. Um, but so, so now, now it's over and Sam is looking for the next step. Go yeah. ahead. So it, it ends in October. That's when the, the graduation dinner is, um, they call it the capstone dinner. So again, got to meet a lot of great people I'm looking for the next step, kind of played plugged in with relay and they had some, you know, some, a few events and then 2017 kind of rolled around and Shannon asked me, um, Hey, would you want to come to the next, next gen, um, launch mm -hmm. and just kind of give your story? Um, now let me back that up a little bit. So that was in 2018. So 2017 is going and I'm still feeling a need, but I'm participating in different things that they have. They're all free. Right. So, but different, different where group leaders come together and they talk. I forgot to name them some of these, but they're all they're all kind of doing doing the things. I was still hungry for more. Sure. And then so, we so you just continue to yeah to, continue to I follow them continue on LinkedIn. Continue to just show up. Yeah. Okay. So continue to continue to show up, and then towards the kind of middle of seventeen, I'm like, wow, it's all in. But in the same time, I started. I'm gonna say this. I started realizing I'm having a life-changing experience. How I showed mm -hmm. up at work was different. Mm -hmm. So people that knew me before Relay, and I always say this, is I would, I give this example. I would come to work. It'd be Monday morning, and I'm, I told you I'm there at 530, mm -hmm. 5 o'clock. My people would come in. The first thing out of my mouth is the questions I've been waiting to ask them. Mm. Hey, hey, Adam, where, where is this at? Hey, John, where is this? Hey, I've been, hey, did you get that done for me? No good morning. No. No caring about them as a person. Oh, man. I got work. I've been here two hours. They're just Let's rolling go. in. They're rolling in like two. You know, <laughs> I've already been there two hours, so I'm all like engaged. Um, that's how I was. Mm -hmm. And then Relay made me talk. I was like, man, it's about the people. Yeah. It's about the people. It's about, um, you know, caring about them and loving them. And, you know, you get better results as a leader. So I started, my mindset just tried to change in, in 17. And as I was still in, still participating with Relay and going to these other things, I was meeting a lot of people mm -hmm. outside of my normal where I would meet in my community. Mm. I met guys like Don Wells, and I <laughs> met other people that you know were, were committed, and, and they were involved in the community, and they did other things, and I wanted more of it. I wanted to be around these people because it, it helped me. So I kept you know going back and either taking another course with Relay or how how more can I be engaged? Mm -hmm. it's, in my mind, I'm thinking how can I do more? You know, mm -hmm. I want more. I just don't want to just show up. And I mean, how do I get more? So Shannon actually asked me to come. So listen to the hunger in his voice, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, right? So I can assure you that in my conversations with Shannon when all this was going on, Sam's name kept coming up. As Shannon Lee does a phenomenal job of keeping track of who keeps showing up. Sam kept showing up. So to Shannon and the organization, there needed to be another ask. Now, Shannon asked you for something. What did she ask you for? Did she ask you for money? No. No, she didn't ask you for money? No. What did she ask you for? She at, at this point, she's never asked me for a dime. <laughs> so I, I went to this, and they don't do them anymore, but in... And I think that's where you, you first heard me talk. It is. Is is it was a it was a donor dinner, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was more of, you know, can you how how can you help the organization? That's how they used to do it back then. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to speak and kind of tell my story. So I'm and I'm I don't have an issue public speaking, but this one freaked me out because she was like, Hey, you gotta keep it down to a certain time and you have to write it down. I'm like, Yeah, I usually go off the cuff. So <laughs> anyways, I, I basically spoke and told my story because I literally, you know, believed that I had a life-changing moment. Um, and I was honored that she would ask me to come and do that. And then the next ask from her um, later on was to come back in 2018 and talk to the new next-gen folks that mm -hmm. were going through the launch and saying, you know, this is what you're, you're, you're happening to go. So now at this point, are you a board member? No. You're not a board member. It was January of 018. I was not a board member. So yet. you're not a board member. No. You're not a big donor. No. So what I did at the, right at the end of 17 is I basically signed up to be 
Um, I gave like 25 bucks a month. Okay. So online did the thing. It just constantly goes. So now as you're listening to this, I want you to understand this is somebody that is just showing up and Shannon took the chance and asked him, she didn't say, Hey Sam, we'd like to engage you further. She said, Hey Sam, would you like to do X? Would you like to speak to these couple groups? Sam, once again, continued to show up. Go ahead. So 18, you know, a few other training classes were available to relay. I kept, you know, popping in and doing that. Um, and then she asked, she said, well, you know, are you have any interest in being on the leadership development committee? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what that is. And she was like, well, we just meet and we talk about the content you went through next gen. You kind of help us out. I'm like, Do I, who's on it? And she named some people that I've met through a long line. I'm like, yeah. So I can have coffee on a structured basis with these folks because I, I got to know them and I, I liked them as, as people. So around May of 2018, the, the former president, president at the time, Mike Perez, um, basically must have gone to Shannon and the board was doing this. And they said, we want we want to give me a list of engaged people in the, in the organization that have been around and are participating in relay and because I want to take them, I want to meet with them, take them a coffee and find out why they're engaged. I love that. So pick up on that. The board went to Shannon and said, "Hey, who's leaning forward? Who's engaged? I want to go and talk to them, not to ask them for anything, but to find out what is it about relay that they love." So that's kind of the step that that people are missing right now. So continue, Sam. I love this story. <laughs> so me and Mike, we set up a, a coffee time to meet. I had I had no idea why. I mean, she kind of told me, "Hey, just he's meeting with he's meeting with just folks that are engaged and help help relay, you know, along along the lines." And I had done other volunteer stuff. I volunteered for the launch events that I just sat there and handed out stuff to the participants. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be there when I could be there, whatever it was. I, I fell in love with the organization. I fell in love with the staff, the people. So I had some of those volunteering things along the way. So we go to Tim Hortons downtown and we have coffee. And as I'm walking over, because it was right down by my building, as, as I'm walking over, for some crazy reason, um, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I hope he asked me to sit on the board. I hope I hope he asked me to sit on the board. And the reason why is because I wanted to be more engaged. It's like, so I'm like, that would be a great honor. Now, I, I got on the Columbus Police Foundation the same year, um, but it was basically someone from AP was stepping down. Mm-hmm. And they said, we, 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 AP came to me and said, this, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss was actually the one that started, was helped started the foundation. So I was like, oh, I'm on. Right. So, you know, I believe in that and we work well with Columbus police. So I'm like, I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this one, I'm like, I, I hope he asked me. I actually told my boss before I left, I said, I'm going to go, you know, for a cup of coffee. I mean, with the president of relay. And I said, and he's like, you think they're going to ask me on the board? I said, I hope, but I don't know what this is about. I think it's just a, Hey, so we sat there and we just had a conversation. You know, he wanted to know my story, mm-hmm. what was going on. And he, he towards the end of the, the coffee, he's like, Sam, I, I don't, he goes, I wasn't prepared to do this. He's like, because it's kind of outside our realm, the, the process. He's like, but would you, would you be willing to sit on our board? And before I knew the commitment, before I knew what it, what it all entailed, you know, I didn't even ask questions. I just went. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What do I got to do? And he's like, well, we have a process. I got to kind of turn your name into Shannon. The board has to vote. He's like, but I want you there for our retreat in, in 18. He's like, it's kind of aggressive to get it there, but um, would you want to do it? I said, I owe this organization a lot. Wow. I owe this organization a lot. Yeah. So, and I truly, I truly believe in that. So it's like, they, they changed, they changed my, my life. Um, that year, I got promoted to director, mm-hmm. um, and I remember sitting down when I got the promotion, and my boss said to me, you do realize that you wouldn't have gotten to this level if you didn't go through the relay program and change the way you are. He's like, that was part of the path. You've changed as a leader. Now you can be a director. Um, I also obviously had to do some other things right. you know, in my career, but um, it, it changed the way I, I showed up and led. Mm-hmm. So... Um, 
they had a, I met with another board member. They did the vetting process. I got the commitment form from Shannon. I had to meet with the with Shannon. She kind of went over what the the board board wants, and it was funny because as she was going, one of the commitments is you have to also be on a, another committee or a chair or something else. And she's like, "Well, death check, you already do that. Right. I've been doing it for a year." And I'm like, "So this is it?" And she's like, "Well, here's the board commitment time frame." And I'm like, "Okay, when do I start?" Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Well, they're gonna vote you in the next meeting." And they did, and I was at the retreat, and um, that was that was in eighteen, and then um, just went in, and I still as a, as a board member when they have a launch event, I'm I'm there, I'm I'm buying tables at at the the events if I got to go, um, if she needs a volunteer, um, I'm there, part of our advisory group uh, for the the next gen stuff. I I volunteered because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to be around it all the time as much as I possible. Um, and then the end of last year, the president wanted to have a meeting with me, uh, the outgoing president, Mike Perez, and uh, we went to coffee again. It's coffee with me and Mike all the time. <laughs> we changed coffee places this time. And uh, he basically told me that he was stepping down because he had some other commitments with mm -hmm. his, his job. And mm -hmm. um, the one thing he always told me that he felt um, that he felt kind of dis disconnected um, is he said, I don't have the heart for it. He goes, you've gone through right. everything. Right. Because I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was asked to be on the board years ago, um, probably because I'm in the finances piece, and that's why, because he was mm -hmm. the treasurer. Mm -hmm. He's like, but I don't, I don't have it here. Not that I don't love the organization now. Yeah. He's like, he goes, but I have other things I want to do now, and my right. term is up. Would you be willing to serve as the president? Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't see anyone else doing that. I'm like, well, what about all the other? There's a few board members that have been there longer than I have. And then he was like, well, you're my, he goes, they're going to have to vote you in. He goes, but you're my nomination. You're my recommendation to them because I don't see anybody else that that is wanting that enough. And I said, well, I think we should talk to them. If someone else senior steps up, let them have it. Right. I said, because I'm, I'm, a new, I'm the newest board member at this point. Um, and... They voted me in, in in November unanimously, and um, but there's no doubt that today, and uh, and and again, I really hope it comes across in the podcast that you are absolutely an owner, right? Oh, that's my you, organization. You, you, uh, you, 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 I, my wife and I were teaching on finances this weekend, and I used the word I, and someone corrected me, we, right? There's there's never been a time doing this conversation that you didn't use our program or my organization. You are absolutely an owner today. So what, the reason I wanted to talk to Sam about this is because I think that people have a difficult time understanding how the PEO, PEO model looks in real life. And what it is, is you just continue to find people that are leaning forward. And you continue to give them opportunities to lean in. And wherever they stop, for instance, let's say Stan would have stopped at the point of, you know what, Shannon, I'll show up and tell my story, but I don't want to do anything else. That would have been perfectly fine. He would have been an engaged person. He would have been a very valuable person. And if Sam would have stopped at the participant level, he would have been fine and engaged and loved on. But if he had stopped at the participant level, he never would have had the meeting with Mike Perez because Mike Perez were looking for who's engaged. And so everybody has a role and everybody has a place, but we want to really look for people that are leaning forward, people that are showing up and just continuing to give them opportunities to show up. Now, Sam, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm not asking for an amount. I'm not asking for an amount. I think you said when you were engaged, you were given 25 bucks a month. I've got to believe that today you're giving more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone asked you to give more than that? Well, I, I'm, I'm most... Outside of your board responsibilities. Outside of my board responsibilities. And it's not a set amount. Um, uh, actually, the Columbus Police Foundation we, has never really 
kind of told us. We we've got, the the conversation they always have at the board means is if we're going to go out and ask for money, they most organizations Absolutely. are looking for one hundred percent board participation. Absolutely, they don't. They never ask for well, how much did so and so donate? I mean, so it could literally be five, ten bucks. Correct. No, I. But I, your financial contributions to the organization changed as you went through participant engaged owner. Yeah. That. Sam says, yeah, of course it Why did. wouldn't it? I own the organization. But, the, I, but, but that's, that's the point that I really want to get across to people, is that as you're able to move people through, the contributions and the dollars come. Now, what I want everyone to understand is that it's not a transactional donation. It's a transformational or a relational donation that's taking place. Sam could not have moved through this process without a relationship with Shannon, without a relationship with other people in the org, in the relay factors. So the PEO model is really based upon relationships, is really based upon understanding what someone has, where they're at, what they're looking to do and follow and giving them a path to it. Um, Sam, thanks. Oh, thank you. Thanks, man. So Sam said he was nervous when he started. You're not nervous now? No, now actually it feels like a conversation. I'm like, <laughs> it was kind of nervous, you know, I'm on the spot. But no, absolutely. It was, no. Uh, it was a good time. I appreciate you having me out. But before you let me go, i got to give two more plugs from my, absolutely. from my organization. So like I mentioned, Relay Leadership, we're doing some great things. Um, we're awakening the best in people. Yeah. Um, I believe it's the best leadership organization in the city, well, best run. We, for we sure. definitely appreciate it. So we have our leadership forum coming up in May. Um, and then if you haven't been to the Columbus Police Foundation website, get on there. We're doing a lot of great things. We're, we're, we, are, we, we are partnering with COSI and we are doing the um, Center for Learning and Understanding and Engagement where we will have, you know, a mobile unit that's going to go out to the public, into the schools um, to talk about police and how they're engaged. Um, so definitely just kind of visit us and, and see what we're doing. I'm not asking for any money um, at all. Um, but definitely see what, you know, see what's out there and, and engage on the relay side. You won't be disappointed if you go to one of our events and, and engage with us. And, um, I appreciate it, Don. And I appreciate all the, the wisdom and guidance you've given me over the years when I first met you. Um, and, uh, I, I thank you, sir. No. So, um, if you want to get involved with relay, uh, you can find Sam on LinkedIn, um, Relay leadership.com. Relay leadership.com. Uh, the Columbus Foundation is the Columbus Police Foundation.org, I believe. Dot org. And again, uh, Sam on LinkedIn. It is it is a good follow. I highly suggest it. And uh, man, thanks. Can't can't thank you enough. We're gonna turn our attention on the second part of the podcast to I've been getting a question quite often. Hey, Don, I'm starting a nonprofit. Or, hey, Don, I want to take my nonprofit to the next level. Uh, what, are the, what are the things I need to do? So we're going to talk about maybe from start, and we're going to talk about where you go to get the information to know what you need to put in place. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a different type of bean counter. I think this is the first time that I said that on this part of the episode. A different type of bean counter. Uh, subscribe to it. You can find us on Spotify right now. Look forward to uh, hearing your feedback. Thanks a lot. Hey, welcome back to the second part of this episode of A Different Type of Bean Counter. Please remember to share the podcast and to subscribe. One of the questions that I get often is, hey, Don, how do I start a nonprofit? And what are the things I need to do? Well, at Well CPA, during the course of any given year, we may touch between 120 and 130 nonprofits, from sitting on boards, advising boards, during do, doing training, um, performing audit services and accounting services. So, during the course of a year, we we touch and see a lot of nonprofits, and that's really our our expertise at Well CPA. We we do other things, but that's that's where we end up focusing a lot of our time. So the question comes up often: Hey, I want to start one, or Hey, I want to take a next step. What what are the things that I need to do? And one of the answers to the question: uh, What do I need to do, or how do I start? 
we really focus on making sure that an organization is compliant and is set up on a great structure. So I'm going to start this podcast by maybe going through some of those things. There's there's a big list. I'm going to go through the list. It's all not equally important. And that's that's probably the most difficult thing is for people to start to understand what's important and what's not. Um, And the different phases of your nonprofit, the different types of things you're trying to do will dictate what's important and, and what's not. But we'll talk about that just a little bit later. Day one, hey, I want to start a nonprofit. It's no different than starting any other business. Uh, you really need to start with a business plan. Uh, if you have a business, if you're going to start a car dealership, you have a business plan. You should have a business plan. Uh, the same is true with a nonprofit organization. I'm not sure why we think nonprofit businesses are different than any other business. So the very first part to start is is the business plan. Well, what goes in a business plan, Don? You can Google online, find all kinds of templates, information, things of that nature at a very high level. One thing that has to go into business in a business plan or that should go in a business plan is a, a market research concept. Is what you're doing needed in the area? This week, I met with a a treatment facility, and uh, they're getting started. They're off the ground, and I asked them how many patients do they see on a weekly basis, and their number was somewhere around 30 to 35, and I was like, okay, is that enough to sustain you? And their answer is, I don't know. My question was, are there more patients available to you? Like, do you have a marketing reach in order to get more? I don't know. You 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 need to know what your reach is going to be. And from a nonprofit, that really starts to talk about, okay, here's where my services are going to be, and here's where my funding is going to be. So you've got to have two different, or you should have, two different marketing concepts. So one, where, where are my services going and who wants and needs them? Secondly, in a business plan, you should have uh, something that addresses funding or revenue. Uh, how are you going? To, how are you going to make money? How are you going to pay bills? Um, and that should lend itself to a discussion of when does the organization become profitable? And yes, a not-for-profit has to be profitable. This is one of the biggest things that I struggle to communicate. Non-profit does not mean no profit. You must make a profit in your in your organization because if you do not make a profit in your organization, you're unable to pay bills. If you're unable to pay bills, sooner or later you will close. That lends itself to the next item that's in a business plan. Capital. How are you going to sustain the business? How is the business going to sustain itself until it is profitable? Again, the meeting I had just this week with the treatment facility, they had $100,000 of capital to start. And six, seven, eight months into it, they've run through almost all of that. And that's, that's perfectly fine. When you start a business, you're going to run through some capital. But if you don't know when the, the tide's going to turn where your capital can start to be replaced through profits, then that that becomes a a problem uh, business plan. The next two items or next three items is uh, we're we're going to talk about um, whether or not the capacity. And when we start talking about capacity, you know, you want to do $100,000 of revenue, but you have two employees. Well, is that is that sufficient? So we're going to start to look at, okay, what's the reasonableness of the capacity to do the uh, the business versus the employees and the staffing and, and the scalability of, of the operation. So those are all things that start to work into a business plan. Uh, I work with a lot of faith-based organizations. And there are a few, not a lot, but I want to address this up front. There are a few faith-based organizations that take the approach that you know God will provide. 
and I, I, I'm referencing God here uh, because I'm a, I'm a Christian and God is the, the uh, being that I'm most familiar with. So in this brief conversation, I don't want to exclude anybody. So whatever your higher power is that you believe in, um, when I say God, just, just think that. So, um, but that's, that's where I come from and that's my perspective. So God will provide, and uh, I don't have to have a plan. I'm doing God's work. I'm doing kingdom work. So He's going to He's going to make a way, and I absolutely believe that God will provide our needs. I don't have any doubts about that. I'm a living example of that. But what I do want to talk about here is that we have to recognize that we're we're in a rub area. Uh, we're in a both-and area right now. Uh, the kingdom has not come yet. So we need to still use our uh, free will. And there's a lot of conversations that talk about when you get to wherever that higher being is, that you're still going to have free will. You have to use your free will and your plan just to sit back and rest on God will provide um, and God will make everything okay is not necessarily the best plan because a lot of the people that have oversight and a lot of people that will hold you responsible may be the part of the kingdom that hasn't come yet, uh, if you know what I mean. They may be people that, I mean, they, they have rules and regulations that you have to abide by. And some of the rules and regulations are because people have done bad things. And uh, so just just understand it. Yeah, there there is that element and that belief that we all have to have and that faith that it's all going to be okay. But we still should take time and plan, okay? So I don't want to belabor that point anymore. But when you're going to start a business plan, I'm sorry, when you're going to start a nonprofit, you, you, the first step is to have a business plan. Now, there's a, a litany of different places where nonprofits are have responsibilities that for-profits don't have. So generally speaking, at a for-profit level, after you have a business plan and you have your whatever license and things like that you need, you're ready to go. Let's go. I'm ready to sell a car. Uh, in a not-for-profit environment, you have additional oversight that you need to be aware of. Uh, one place that you have oversight is the Better Business Bureau. And I'm really excited that in uh, a couple of episodes, I will have one of my best friends uh, from the Better Business Bureau having a conversation about what does that mean. So I'm not going to go deep into that right now, but listen to future episodes for that. The other place that you have oversight is the Attorney General. The Attorney General has complete um, oversight of nonprofits. And the reason for that is the attorney general is responsible for protecting the public. Nonprofits are generally public funded. Therefore, there is the question of are the public funds being utilized properly? Um, so uh, that's why the attorney general has that oversight. Now, the attorney general has a pamphlet. And if you've never seen the pamphlet, I highly recommend that you look at it. You can go to the attorney general's website and get it. But the pamphlet talks about the requirements of the board of directors of a nonprofit. Every nonprofit has to have a board of directors. Whether you're doing $5 or whether you're doing $5 billion, you have to have a board of directors. So one, how do I start a nonprofit? As soon as you get your tax exempt status, your very first thing is to start working and put a board of directors in place their very first thing should be looking at the attorney general guidelines for what their responsibilities are. Um, board members have legal responsibilities to the state of Ohio. And if you're not familiar with those, reach out uh, to me uh, either via this podcast. You can email me at donald at wellscpaoh.com and I can just make sure that you get the uh, attorney general guidelines on what nonprofits have responsibilities for at the board level. Now, organizationally, hey, where what about the organization? Where does where do the different requirements come on come from for the organization? 
One place is the Form 990. Uh, nonprofits have to file annually with the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, and that form is a 990. It's called, some people call it a tax form, uh, some people call it an information reporting form. In either case, what we're talking about is the Form 990 that uh, organizations should file annually with the IRS. If you don't file for a three-year period, your tax-exempt status will get automatically revoked. So someone someplace needs to be man maintaining those filings and making sure they're taking place. In the Form 990, there are specific policies and procedures that the IRS says um, nonprofit organizations should have in place. I have a, a list of those. I'm just going to read them off real quick. You should have a policy regarding when you will stop destroying documentation. That's called a record retention and destruction policy. That policy came about through Enron and all those other um, issues we had uh, years ago and the legislation of Sarbanes-Oxley. Sarbanes-Oxley has some uh, terminology in it that says that if you interact with the IRS, which is every business, you should have a record retention and destruction policy, primarily very legal terminology regarding when you will stop destroying documents. The other policy that you have to have if you interact with the Internal Revenue Service is a whistleblower policy. And I know that's really hard. Hey, I'm an organization of one. I'm an organization of one, so how do I have a whistleblower policy? Well, you have to. Um, you have to have a whistleblower policy and you have to figure out how to put it in place. Uh, generally speaking, what you would have is you probably have a policy that uh, the board of directors and the contact person is on the website so that anybody that has anything to report can go to the attorney, uh, I'm sorry, the board of directors directly. But uh, it's a requirement to have such a policy in place. Uh, on the, internal re uh, on the Internal Revenue Service Form 990, they will ask you about a conflict of interest policy. A lot of organizations I see have a conflict of interest policy. However, the policy do does not have the requirements that the um, Internal Revenue Service states have to be in the, in the conflict of interest policy. Donald, it's confusing. I have a policy, but it's not the right policy. That's correct. If you have a policy that does not state who is covered under it, if you have a policy that does not define what a conflict is, if you have a policy that does not say how it's enforced, uh, then you might have a policy, but you don't have the type of policy that the Internal Revenue Service is asking you for. The other thing that they will ask you on a, uh, on a Form 990, they being the Internal Revenue Service, is, hey, what's your policies and procedures regarding the review and the approval of the Form 990? See, somebody should be reviewing and approving the 990 before it's filed. Um, that way, because the oversight of that sets with the board of directors, so there should be some policy or, or process that you have that the board of directors is knowledgeable or they have a presentation by someone who completed it or they go through it to approve and and uh, submit the Form 990. So in the, in the Form uh, 990, the Internal Revenue Service will say, hey, if you're gonna start a nonprofit, we expect you to have a record retention and destruction policy. We expect you to have a whistleblower policy. We expect you to have a conflict of interest policy. We expect you to have a policy regarding the review and approval of the Form 990. So those are all policies that as, if, as you start a uh, nonprofit, you need to put in place. Again, a for-profit, you don't have to have any of those. Now we get into some financial reporting matters, and this is where it gets really difficult, and this is some of the things that the Better Business Bureau will talk about. Uh, but when you are a nonprofit, especially when you start to look for grants and different things, I've been having a lot of conversations with folks about, hey, Don, I need an audit because I'm getting a grant request. If you have not listened to, I think it's episode two of the podcast, of when you need an audit, please listen to that because an audit is oftentimes used as just a generic term. But I, want, I don't want to go into that now. 
But in order to go through an audit, here's some things that, that you really need to have in place or else you just will not have a successful outcome from your audit. Um, you need to have some policies and procedures surrounding when the financial statements are closed. Like, when do you consider the financial statements for a month or for a year to be done? Um, you know, that, that sounds so simple, but when, when do you consider them done? Um, what about capital assets? You know, when you purchase a computer, are you going to put it on your balance sheet as an asset or are you expensing it? So do you have a policy that talks about what you're going to do because when I come in and I look at a transaction, I don't know whether a purchase of a computer, I don't know whether it's recorded properly because I don't know what your policy is. So that becomes really important. Um, a fixed asset listing. So what is that? Well, that's a, there's two purposes behind a fixed asset listing. One is here's a list of everything that we own so that you can get it insured. Right. So if something happens and, you know, heaven forbid that there's a fire, you can go to the insurance company and talk about, hey, here's the things that we have. The other purpose behind a fixed asset policy is to know or a fixed asset listing is to know uh, these are the things that we consider are assets that we are depreciating over time. Um, here's a tough one, and this is a really new one that is coming up. How do you di differentiate between a contribution and a fee-for-service transaction? So nonprofits generally have two types of transactions. One is sometimes when they sell a service, and the other is when they get a contribution. So the questions start to become muddied in that scenario when we start talking about sponsorships. If you're having a... a um, a fundraiser and you're getting sponsorships, are those contributions or are those fee-for-service transactions? What What's the difference, Don? The agreement. The agreement is 100% the difference. If, uh, if the person who is paying the sponsorship is getting something of equal value in return, we might have to look at it as a fee-for-service transaction. So there's, there's, you just have to be able to think through those things. Uh, let's see. Are you monitoring budget to actual results? If you're not monitoring budget to actual results, then it's really hard to know whether or not you're on pace and whether or not the uh, the proper oversight exists from the from the board of directors. Please, if you're going to try and go through an audit, have some type of internal control processes documented. What does that mean? How, when a check comes in the door, how's it handled? Who touches it? What do they do with it? Um, it can be a simple flow chart. Uh, it can be a narrative. But you, you, most people believe that when someone like me comes in, what I'm trying to do is verify that the numbers are accurate. And that is that is about half of what I'm doing. The rest of it is I'm trying to verify that uh, the processes work reasonably well and that we don't have anything that a reader or a user of the financial statements should uh, know. All right, so that's a lot on financial reporting, probably too too much accounting ease, different type of bean counter. I apologize about that, but I really wanted to get that out. If you have questions, you can always reach out to me. Uh, best practices, Donald. If I'm starting a nonprofit, some of the best practices that I really need to have in place. One, the, the 1023, the form 1023, which is your application for nonprofit status, needs to be a living, breathing document. That needs to be a document that's reviewed at least annually by the, by the organization. Um, it, if you have employees, do not skip the employee manual part. I know for me, I'll tell you one of my biggest faux pas. The first time I hired somebody, I hired them on a eight, uh, eight, a nine to five. I hired them nine to five is what I hired them. Your work hours are nine to five. And then I said, you get an hour lunch. Well, if you do the math, that's a seven hour work day. So I compensated them for an eight hour work day, but I only structured them on a seven hour work day. That's crazy. 
but it's a common mistake if you're not thinking all the way through it. And then when I change their work schedule, I have to change their compensation. So there's more cost in it uh, for me. All right. Uh, the last thing I want to say is really just have a, a policy someplace regarding the acceptance of gifts. If you've ever worked with the state of Ohio and you read very much, the state of Ohio does not allow their employees to accept gifts. Uh, they generally will not feed anymore at uh, luncheons and things of that nature. And just that's just to make sure that there's conflict of interest are, um, are taken care of and that everything is um, above board. So as you think through, hey, I want to start a nonprofit. These are all the things that you need to think about. Yes, you need to determine whether or not your business model is solid. Uh, and that's your business plan. You know, am I going to be serving? Am I going to be doing good? Am I going to be doing all those things? That's all the business plan part of it. The next part that most people skip is looking around to determine, okay, who do I have to report to and what do they require of me? So the Internal Revenue Service in the 990, they tell you what they require of you. The Attorney General, who is somebody you report to, has a brochure and a pamphlet that tells you what you require. Your funders, if they require financial reporting, they will tell you what they require. So those are all things that you have to start to piece together in order to have an effective and efficient nonprofit. I hope that was helpful. Start with the business plan. Make sure you've got a viable plan and then start looking around to say, okay, what do these other people require of me? You are running a business. You're doing great work. There's so much good ministry work. There's so much good mission work being done in the, in the area of non-for-profits. Uh, I am excited about what's going on. Unfortunately, uh, again, my saying for 2020 is there's a lot of ministry and ministry work uh, ministry and mission work taking place without a business platform. Make sure you have a business platform in place. Again, this is a different type of bean counter. Hopefully this has been helpful. Um, if you have a topic, let me know. I'll be listening over the next couple of weeks to hear what types of questions I get so I can develop a topic. If your organization would like to be interviewed so that you can be on the first half of an episode, reach out to me, Donald at WellsCPAOH.com. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Share and subscribe. Right now it's on uh, Spotify. Thanks a lot. Bye.